the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And we're on. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Welcome to the show, everybody. Another great Sunday in the Tampa Bay area, and I've got a special guest with me today, Dr. Dave Broad, my friend, my colleague, and now I guess I'm your sponsor, or you're my sponsor, rather. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Dave is going to be with us today. We're going to talk a little orthopedic surgery, and we're going to talk a little politics. We're going to talk a little bit about the virus, of course, because we have to do that. But first, I wanted to read to you the very end of Trump's speech uh, that supposedly incited the riot, but I, I don't see any inc- anything that's inciting here. So he says, so we're going to we're going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I love Pennsylvania Avenue and we're going to the Capitol and we're going to try and give well the Democrats are hopeless. They're never voting for anything, not even on not even one vote, but we're going to try and give our Republicans the weak ones, because the strong ones don't need any of our help, but we're going to try and give the weak ones the kind of pride and boldness that they need to take back our country. So let's walk down Pennsylvania Avenue. I want to thank you all. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you all for being here. This is incredible. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now, if that's insane, riot, I am shocked. Now, Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz, you know, the, uh, the, uh, famous lawyer that's been in Trump's camp from the get-go, he says that all of this is is BS, that Congress had no grounds to impeach, that the House had no grounds to impeach the president, and that it's unconstitutional, and uh, that it's uh, it violates his civil rights, and that even after he's out of office, they can't impeach him because he's a private citizen, and the Senate can't impeach a private citizen, and they can't impeach him for crimes that are not in the in the uh, articles uh, so i don't know we'll see what's going to happen boy they hate this guy have you noticed that dave i have noticed that <laughs> i mean you know they don't even know what he says well nobody knows what anybody says anymore because they don't read pe- well pe- people say one thing and then 30 seconds later say they didn't say it or or, or say something completely different so i i have become very disillusioned with all of politics well, I, I would I would uh, agree that there are some problems with with politics, but I don't think they're new. And right. I, I think they're just uh, amplified in this they, current day and age with with technology. The, yeah, with the technology, it's greatly amplified. But right. you know, we we've seen this all the way back to the beginning of the republic. You know, the first uh, President Washington's first term, they gave him a pass, but in the second term, the press was they were brutal. Really, they were brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't alive back then, so you have to well, tell me about it. Yeah, I'm a little older than you. He's he's a youngster, guys. So at any rate, the constitutionality of what Congress is doing uh, is called into play, and if it goes to the Supreme Court, it would be thrown out anyway. But you know, Congress 
is not held to, you know, if you're in Congress that you cannot be charged for a crime. Really? Really. You cannot be charged for a crime. Now, your colleagues can remove you. They can censure you and remove you. And then after you're removed, you can be held uh, liable for the crime, the criminal actions. But uh, while you're in in, in Congress, you, you can't be tried. Wow. And so the president, who can be tried for uh, uh, impeachment for crimes that Congress thinks he commits that are against the Constitution, but um, the, the House and the Senate, they're immune. Pretty cool. I think I'm going to run for Senate. <laughs> oh, if you're thinking about committing any crimes, you might as well. Yeah, you might as well. So uh, now you had the virus, right? I did. How did you feel? What, what were your symptoms? Uh, so I was febrile just for one day, and then a few days later started developing congestion. I lost my taste and my smell uh, for probably about a week. Um, and, you know, that, that was really it. I was one of the lucky ones. And uh, who was your doctor? Who took care of you throughout all of this? You were my doctor throughout. All right. Dr. Bill on the case. Brian, if you're sick, give me a call. Will do. Are you there? I'm here. All right. So, uh, by the way, I got into a debate with uh, one of the younger doctors at the hospital because I said, she said, how was the vaccine? And I said, well, the second dose, you know, I got a headache and a little fever, body aches and my arm hurt. And I just took some uh, Advil and I was fine. And she said, oh, well, that'll decrease your, your response to the vaccine and the effectiveness of it. So I tried to do some research. The only thing I could find was that uh, if you are an older person, by that I mean over 65, and you are on chronic uh, therapy like metformin or you're chronically taking uh, some anti-inflammatories like Advil or something like that, it may have an effect. Now, the, the metformin actually decreases the effectiveness of the flu vaccine, and people have been on it chronically. The Advil... Initially, you'll have a, a stronger reaction, but at a month, apparently, there's lower antibody levels. Does that mean you're not immune? No. No, absolutely not. Now, you may quiescent your little T lymphocytes and B lymphocytes, but that doesn't mean that, that you're not going to mount a response if you come in contact with the, uh, with the flu virus or, in, in this case, the uh, coronavirus, the COVID virus. So I don't think that that's really a concern. Did you take anything? Were you taking some Advil? I, I was taking some Tylenol, you know, cold medicine just to help with the congestion, and that was it. That was it? Yeah. And your wife got it, and your child got it too, huh? Yep. Yeah, they were both relatively asymptomatic. Okay, good, good. So you did well. Yeah, they're, they're, they're both young, so. Both young. Mm -hmm. How old are they? <laughs> my daughter's eight and my wife is 29. Oh, my God, you robbed the cradle, Dave. I'm shocked. I'm just shocked. How can you do that? So what's going on in the world of, uh, of uh, orthopedic surgery? Uh, I, I've got a neighbor. She has a hamstring tear. She's 83. How in the heck did she get a hamstring tear at 83? So one of the biggest problems we start to get into as, as we age is, you know, we, we aren't as flexible as we are primarily because we're not doing the same types of activities we, we once did. If we think back to when we were kids or teenagers or 20-somethings, or we were all probably pretty active and, uh, you know, nimble and, and limber and, and, and stretched and, and did things like that. And as, as we get old, and I'm guilty of it too, and you get 
busy in your occupation, uh, you know, you may continue to, to exercise and get your cardio and get your uh, weight bearing exercise in. But stretching is a, a very important part to an exercise program. And it's essential to continue to stretch throughout your lifetime, especially whenever you uh, get into the elderly category. I guess I fall into that category. Huh? Most of us do, unfortunately. Oh, dang. Okay, so uh, now she's got the partial tear of her hamstring, and she's really miserable. And her orthopedic surgeon, who isn't you, by the way, uh, but I would like her to see you. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, because you're a, you're a good guy and a good doctor. I know you, and I know the other doctor too. And um, I know he's competent, but he's such a yahoo. I can't stand him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> but we talk cordially at sure. the lunch table. Okay. And uh, so, at any rate, what can she do? I mean, he's going to send her to pain management or to somebody to inject her. And I would guess. They're going to, what, do it cortisone, Probably steroid? Probably a cortisone steroid. injection to the area. I mean, they could use an ultrasound to find the, you know, little hematoma <clears throat> or area. It really depends on how severe a partial tear is. Partial tears are actually worse than complete tears because basically, you know, if you can imagine a, a bull rope where half of the rope has been cut, mm -hmm. the, there's still the re remaining attachments that can't support the weight of whatever's on it. So one by one, those ind independent fibers are going to tear and break, and that's what causes pain. So, you know, if she would have ruptured it completely, her pain would probably be much less right now. Um, physical therapy, hot and cold, um, you know, stretching, uh, you know, rel relative stretching just to, you know, because there's going to be a scar tissue that forms between the torn end, uh, two torn ends of the tendon that you know, needs to be stretched out and uh, so that you know, she doesn't develop any kind of contracture or, or scar tissue there. So physical therapy is, is really essential in treating a now partial the, hamstring tear. Okay. And now the hamstring, that attaches to the, to the butt bone? To the ischium, correct. Yeah, and that comes from the front and goes to the back, right? Correct. It, it starts in the, actually, at the front of your shin on the inside part called the uh, pes anserine, uh, and there's three attachments of tendons there, and they wrap around your knee and then go all the way up the back of your thigh and connect on the ischium, which is you know, the, the bones that you sit on. Your, yeah, your butt bones. Right. Okay, so, and then is there anything surgically you can do for that? And a young person say so. So in in young people with traumatic mm. ruptures, uh, surgery is uh, an option. Um, typically, this is for high profile athletes. Uh, kids can sometimes uh, get bony avulsion injuries of their hamstrings, where they actually pull a piece of bone off of their ischium. So then the surgery for that is to go in and just fix the bone. Um, but for uh, yeah, that's typically in. That's young teenagers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, once athletes. people get into their 20s and 30s, um, you know, athletes with a, a retracted torn tendon can, their recovery can uh, be shortened and they can get back to play faster with a surgery like that. For, for people like you and me that, you know, aren't counting on our athleticism to make a living, uh, most of the time it's non operative treatment. Well, but I still want to ride my bicycle. Can I still ride a bike with a torn hamstring? You can. You can. So you can still function. Correct. Now, what, what do you lose? Do you lose the uh, flexion of the knee or what? Correct. The, the strength in bringing your you know, heel up to your butt 
uh, is something that can be uh, tested. You know, okay. we actually we actually gotcha. harvest these hamstring tendons to do ACL reconstructions. So uh, probably the best way to describe some of the functions that you get if, if you have a torn hamstring, you can look at the uh, studies they've done in, in athletes after having a, a hamstring autograph where we take their own hamstrings and make it into their ACL and then mm-hmm. reconstruct their ACL. They have a little bit of decreased strength and range of motion with active knee flexion. So trying okay. to, you know, kick their heel to their buttock. Yeah. Okay. Now, you, you mentioned the ACL. That That's also another big deal for young people and athletes. And right. I guess for everybody because a lot of middle-aged people are skiing and tearing right. their ACLs. And the ACL is a ligament uh, inside of the knee joint. There's the anterior collateral and the posterior collateral ligaments inside the joint itself. And then on the side, you have the medial and lateral collateral ligaments. And so you have, what, basically four ligaments that hold your knee together. Correct. And so when you when you tear, you usually tear the anterior collateral when you're skiing. Or... Yeah, the anterior cruciate is the uh, most commonly torn tendon okay. of those. Medial collateral ligament gets torn probably second most. Uh, most of the time, that's able to be treated non-operatively. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. But the ACL, if that's torn completely, then that's operation, isn't it? It's an operation one way or another. Um, recently, the there's been a movement in orthopedics to try to repair femoral avulsions of ACLs. So whenever the, the ACL just gets pulled right off of the, the, bone. the, the attachment to the bone, uh, we repair the, the uh, ligament back to the bone. Um, but for the majority of tears that happen intersubstance, uh, you know, we remove the existing ligament and reconstruct it. Now, can you function with a torn ACL? So you can function with it. Uh, so for you riding a bike, would not be affected whatsoever. Uh, what your ACL does is it controls the pivoting and rotational stability of, of your knee. So uh, starting and stopping is a little bit difficult. Uh, pivoting, twisting, cutting uh, is difficult. Um, you know, what we tend to see in, in older people is skiing injuries. We see that yeah. a lot. And, yeah. Um, you know, if you want to get back to, to skiing and things like that, where there's going to be rotation and, and leaning and, and pivoting on your knees, you really need to have it reconstructed. But if your activities consist of just walking and, and riding a bike, you, you don't need to reconstruct it. Actually, funny story, one of the most famous uh, orthopedic surgeons for ACL reconstruction, Dr. Freddie Fu uh, from up in Pittsburgh, uh, he kind of revolutionized the orthopedic world with this anatomic study of the ACL and found that there were two bundles and he recommended doing this anatomic reconstruction. Uh, and then he went and tore his ACL and never, and never had it reconstructed. Never had. All, all he did for exercise was cycle. So, so he didn't care. So he never had it reconstructed. So there is one of the, you know, foremost orthopedic surgeons in the world promoting ACL reconstructions, deciding not to have it. Well, that's, that's not uncommon with doctors. We're, True. we're more likely to push our, our medicine on you and then not want to take it ourselves. Yep. As we noticed last week with that's one correct. of my patients who's Guilty sitting next to me. <laughs> so at any rate, uh, if you have a question for Dr. Dave, uh, an orthopedic question, or if you want to talk politics with him, 
because you can probably get him stirred up pretty easily. Uh, we're at 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. So, Dr. Dave, where are you from originally? You're... Originally, I'm from Pittsburgh. Where'd you do your, your schooling? Uh, so I went to undergrad at Washington and Jefferson College in Washington, Pennsylvania. I did medical school at Temple University in Philadelphia. And then I returned to Pittsburgh uh, to do my orthopedic residency at Allegheny General Hospital. And then I did a fellowship in sports medicine at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow, that, that's big time stuff. Cleveland Clinic. Woo. I don't know if I'm allowed to. Can I sit next to you? You can. All right. Okay, great. And so you came down here when, about eight, ten years I ago? I came out here, down here, right out of fellowship. That that wind coming off Lake Erie. Drove you down. Yeah, drove me down. I needed to come and warm my bones up a little bit. And so you've been in practice down here, what, ten years now? Uh, this is my eighth year. Eight years. Here. Okay, eight years. I was close, eight, ten years. Yeah. And uh, I've known Dave since he came down. A nice guy. Um and has done a really good job for patients, so I haven't heard any complaints. And where's your office? You're you're on the St. Pete side of the bay. Correct. We have two offices in Pinellas County. One is at uh, 4820 Park Boulevard, which is near the corner of 49th and, and Park or, or Gandy. And then we also have a Palm Harbor office that's on U.S. Highway 19 uh, in Palm Harbor, uh, between Tampa and Curlew Roads. Very good. And so what hospitals are, are you working at? What Where do you have privileges? We pretty much have privileges at every hospital in Pinellas County, starting at Bayfront Health, St. Pete, St. Anthony's, Palms of Pasadena Hospital, Northside Hospital, St. Pete General Hospital, Largo Medical Center, uh, Mies Dunedin, Mies Countryside, and Advent Health, North Pinellas. Wow, dude. Yeah, it's a lot of, lot of hospitals. So are you running all over the place? Uh, primarily, you know, I, I do my work I and mean, as sports, a sports medicine physician, most of my work is outpatient. So I do a lot of my work in, in surgery centers where patients go home the same day. My partner, Dr. Warren, who's an excellent, uh, hip and knee replacement surgeon, uh, works primarily out of Paul's Pasadena hospital and, uh, Dr. Ronnie Troxel, who's our foot and ankle specialist. Uh, he goes all over as well, but again, for most of his cases they are outpatient procedures so he's doing a lot of them at surgery centers very good and so uh, really the surgery centers in a much nicer uh, atmosphere I think because you can get in and out and usually things go faster there's less red tape and absolutely and it's probably a little bit less expensive for the patients too all of those are true um, you know the, the nicest thing is you know we don't bring infection cases to surgery centers so you don't have to worry about you know in infections uh, there uh, you don't have to worry about getting bumped by an emergency surgery uh, if you're having it done at a hospital. And, you know, the turnover times in hospitals are much slower. Our turnover time at the surgery center I go to in, in St. Petersburg is eight minutes. Whoa, yeah. eight minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's probably two hours at the hospital. It, it can be at some. <clears throat> but, you know, there's a lot more red tape that they have to go through. Right. When they're processing you at a hospital, and there's a different set of regulations also, so... Uh, it's not like the hospitals are inefficient. They're just hamstrung, so to speak, by the uh, by the rules. I see what you, did there. <laughs> you saw that. You caught that. <laughs> hey, by the way, Dr. Dave's here. If you want to ask him a question, 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. And if you want to see him, you want to consult, he's at 727-209-6677. And you can see that on Facebook and YouTube. Again, that's 727-209-6677. Dr. Dave Braun, 
great guy, great surgeon. We love him. He's cute too. So you girls get in there and see him. And apparently he's pretty good with the girls too, because he's got himself a young one, huh? I do. I'm yeah, all right. Good. There you go. She seems like a sweetie. I talked to her telemedicine last week when she was sick, and we were treating the the uh, the family for the COVID virus. Yep, she's the best. That's good. She seems like a good soul. So we have been talking about uh, hamstrings and uh, ACL tears. And now, do you do those repairs outpatient ACLs? Yes, sir. Oh, very good. And you do shoulders too, outpatient. I do shoulders. So, you know, my fellowship training is in sports medicine, but at the Cleveland Clinic, sports medicine and orthopedics kind of is all encompassing. So I worked under uh, surgeons that that did total knee replacements, total shoulder replacements, reverse total shoulder replacements. Uh, So, you know, my the focus of the fellowship was on arthroscopic surgery. So minimally invasive procedures uh, of joints. Uh, but I also got lots of experience, especially in my residency, which is a fantastic uh, clinical residency, um, you know, for doing robotic total hips, robotic total knees. Uh, and then I use uh, a blueprint technology for my total shoulders, which actually has a, a virtual reality component. So we can spin the implant in, the, in like a Google Eye glass um, you know, glasses that you wear during the procedure and you 3D. Can actually, yeah. yeah. 3D and so, so you can you can be operating and then in your periphery you can see what the implant is, where the cuts need to be. Uh it's very cool. it, it's very close to the the ro- the precision of the robotic surgery. The robotic surgery is is amazing. Uh these total joints, I mean intraoperatively we can run tests, we can stress, we can you know, move the, the, the leg and it's a combination of a CT scan and then uh, digital mapping of the bones with the uh, uh, data points that you take. And you're, you're able to rotate the implant two degrees. You're able to change it, you know, in varus and valgus, you know, in three dimensions, you can move everything. And then the robot won't let you cut outside of those parameters. Cool. So whereas... We always thought we were pretty darn good as orthopedic surgeon. Typically, the outliers of about seven degrees of variation was uh, seen to be pretty common in the community. Uh, you know, so, some of the old school surgeons, like my partner, Dr. Warren, uh, don't need that kind of uh, computer navigation because they've been doing it for 30 years and, and have excellent results. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, uh, uh, but the, the younger surgeons have adopted this new technology and the things that we're able to do intraoperatively to, to make changes and adapt uh, patient outcomes are, you know, leaps and bounds better. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very happy with the it's, results. It's really interesting. And uh, I've played with the uh, robotics a, a little bit. They had uh, a new machine at St. Pete General and they had a reception and everybody got to know it and fool with it. And it's actually, it's not, not very hard to use the robotic uh but uh, it's, it certainly is uh, a lot of fun. It really is. It, it makes surgery, I think, a lot more uh, entertaining. Yep. And you guys probably enjoy it, too. Well, it, it enables you to do things that you couldn't do before because, yeah. you know, changing a cut to, to rotate, you know, our, our brains, I mean, maybe someone smarter than me can figure it out, but our brains really aren't very good at three-dimensionally saying, okay, we're going to rotate this whole construct two degrees. It's, 
it's really difficult to reproduce without a robot. With the robot, you just set the parameters and and you go. That's what happens. Yeah, that's that's really really awesome. And uh, that kind of technology is only going to get better Absolutely. and better. And uh, I'm I'm so impressed with everything that we're doing. We had a patient, a Canadian lady, and she had had uh, uh, lower colon cancer and had radiation and got a stricture and obstructed. And I think it took uh, Matt Couch about 10 minutes with the robot to pull a loop of bowel out and make a colostomy for her. Wow. 10 minutes. And That's great. One little itty bitty incision. And yep. and she's eating that eight, that afternoon, that evening, she's awake and eating. Now, and when I was a kid in this business, if you had bowel surgery, you were laid up for at least a week. Yeah, clear liquids for a long time. Yeah, and you and you had an NG tube the first few days, yep. and um, and now that's so atraumatic because of the uh, the advances in technology. What a what a different world we're in. Absolutely. I'm talking with Dr. Dave Braun, orthopedic surgeon in the Tampa Bay area. He's at 727-209-6677. 727-209-6677. If you want to make an appointment and see the doctor. By the way, how are your self-pay rates? Uh, in our office, we're basically giving people Medicare rates for self-pay, which are not bad. Yeah. So we've taken a little bit of a different approach. Um, you know, in, in orthopedics, unfortunately, we get a lot of people that get traumatic injuries that can be life-altering. And if they don't have medical insurance, then, you know, they can, you know, really have long-term disabilities. So we decided that we will see patients for a 10-minute consult for $100. Uh, it's been very popular. We get people coming from all over the state uh, to our office. And basically, you know, we'll, we'll x-ray people for $50. We'll offer uh, pain injections for $50. And you know, we'll basically lay it out for them what their injury is, what they have, what they we recommend that they do. If they say that that doesn't meet their financial situation, then we alter the plan and, and, and do what we can just because I feel like everybody deserves to get a, a very good result out of their injury, regardless of their insurance status. Well, that's good. And I guess you can set up some payments for them too. Right. If they're, if they're reliable, they're, they're citizens that are going to actually make a, an effort and a commitment. But now if somebody's on long-term disability, uh, there's, there's not a whole lot you can do, but they usually will get on Medicare, so then they can get some some help and assistance. Right. Right. And I guess uh, you're you're you guys are pretty uh, savvy and knowledgeable about how to help people get uh, disability when they actually have a uh, a bona fide problem. That, Correct. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So that that's a good thing, folks. And we we have self pay rates in our office too, and we try to work with our patients, but. Uh, you, you can't, well, you can't I, take care of everybody. Yeah, I can do 10-minute consults because I'm looking at x-rays or looking at a, a wrist that's fractured, and it, it's it's pretty quick and straightforward. Uh, you know, your medical consults are much more extensive. And... Well, yeah, but at, at my stage and, and age, as many years as I've been in it, I can a lot of times walk in the room and look at somebody without talking to them and know what's wrong, which is probably sounds arrogant to people. But, you know, after you see something a thousand times, yeah. You know, then you you start realizing I don't need to sit down here and have an hour conversation. But of course, you want to get the history from from the patient. You want to give them the opportunity to tell you what's going on. Part of part of the whole interaction is that they feel that they're involved. Right. That's important, and I think people who don't feel involved are then uh, 
less likely to follow your regimen and your take your prescriptions. Yeah, and yeah we, we tend to do the same thing in our practice. I am very pleased uh, with Dr. Warren and Dr. Troxel and my PA, Seth Everett, how they take the time to sit down, have a discussion with the patient, talk to them about their options, you know, what the risks and benefits are. Uh, you know, we are not a surgery first practice, uh, for sure. We are very conservative uh, and we will exhaust all conservative treatments before offering surgery. Very good. Very good. Well, that, I mean, that's a good approach. And I think it gives patients reassurance that they're, they're going to get the whole, the whole nine yards, uh, get the whole shebang and you're not just going to rush them in and try and make a buck off of the, Absolutely. the surgery. The, the, the most important decision a surgeon makes is whether or not to operate. Because if, if, you, if you do a perfect surgery for the wrong reason, you're not going to get a good outcome. Oh, that's why I'm the way I am, huh? You guys were practicing on me in the early days. <laughs> All right, so we've talked about ACLs and hamstrings, uh, shoulders. And by the way, when you say total shoulder, do you actually put, what do you do? You put the new head on the, on the top of the humerus, the long bone in, in your arm. And then what do you do inside the shoulder joint itself? Yeah, so, so just like the hip replacement, whereas the, the hip replacement, you have a metal ball that you put on the end of the hip and then the, the metal cup with a plastic liner in between. In the shoulder, it's very similar. It's an anatomic okay. metal prosthesis that goes on the top of the humerus. And then in the glenoid, uh, which is the socket of the shoulder, uh, we will cement in or press fit in just a, a polyethylene, uh, a plastic okay. liner. And those are ball and socket joints, huh? Correct. And the knee's more like a hinge, isn't it? Correct. So if you look at a knee and you look at a door hinge, they actually look, I mean, you can see why you call it a hinge joint. Yeah. 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 So that's pretty cool. And so the, the, uh, the robotics and the 3D helps you tremendously with the, with the knee and hip replacements and, and the, I mean, the shoulder replacements. That's yeah. The, the, the shoulder is very, it has to be very precise. Correct. Yeah, the, the change in technology, you know, whenever I was finishing up residency, this robotic technology was just coming uh, into to play. And, uh, you know, actually two of the chiefs that I was uh, in residency with and I uh, were, you know, one of the beta testers uh, for this Striker Mako system. And, uh, you know, it, so it, I, I feel like the technology boom is hit at the perfect time in my career because I did the majority of my training using the old school techniques without all of the fancy bells and whistles. And then, you know, the later part of my training, I got to dabble with those things and, and kind of learn how to use robotics and three-dimensional technology uh, to really improve my outcomes. Now, I've heard some criticisms from uh, people that the younger surgeons are, are lost if all of a sudden they have to get out of the robot and actually go in and do something more extensive. Yeah, so, so that can be can be true. And, you know, for residents now that are training on the robot and all they're learning on is, is the robot, I, I think that it's, I don't want to say dangerous, but it, it's certainly something that they're missing out on. And that's why I said I think that, you know, having done the majority of my training without that kind of technology, I got to learn how to do it the old-fashioned way. So, yeah, if, if something would happen, the robot would go down and, and we wouldn't have it, I'd still be able to finish the joint. Well, I'm glad to know that because yeah. I'd, I'd hate to think that you'd walk out halfway through my hip. It's like, nothing <laughs> I can do. 
Dr. Bill's on his own now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so at any rate, I wanted to also talk, because this is something that I think I'm going to have to deal with soon, is, is uh, the carpal tunnel. Do you... Uh, you do that or is that something you refer out to hand I, surgeons? I do carpal tunnels uh, the first time around. If it's a revision carpal tunnel, so somebody who has had carpal tunnel surgery before, I typically send that out to a hand surgeon just because there can be a lot of scar tissue and uh, you certainly don't want to be cutting through scar tissue not knowing where the motor branch, uh, the median nerve is. Um, the median nerve is what gets your thumb and your index finger? Correct. The median nerve is, is the nerve that goes through the carpal tunnel which is on the, the palm side of your wrist. Um, you know, there's a uh, transverse carpal ligament, which is a piece of fascia that runs through two of the bones in, in the wrist, and the, the nerve runs underneath it along with uh, some tendons. And, uh, you know, if the nerve becomes entrapped underneath that sheath, re, uh, cutting the transverse carpal ligament can relieve those symptoms. So the, uh, the carpal tunnel, folks, when we say fascia, it's actually like a real thick piece of nylon. Well, not real thick, but a thick piece of nylon that spans across and kind of holds the tendons from, from, from bowing up. Because if you didn't have that, when you flexed your muscle, uh, your tendon would just bow up and you wouldn't be able to really do anything. So it's kind of like a, a pulley mechanism. Right. So that's, that's how we, we do that. When we come back, I'm going to have Dr. Dave examine my my wrist and see if I need carpal tunnel surgery because it's a little achy. But right now we got to, I got to lift a cup of coffee. So I'll use my left hand for that. And we'll be right back. I am Dr. Bill, your radio MD. And I've got Dr. Dave with me today. Oh boy. Brian, take us out, buddy. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. An unusual situation at much of the nation's capitals. Many are closed, fences are up, extra police are in place at state houses all across the country as authorities brace for potentially violent demonstrations today, tomorrow, and in all the days running up to the inauguration. The stepped up security comes because of FBI warnings of potential armed protests at all 50 state capitals and here in Washington, D.C. Leading Kremlin critic Alexei Navalny plans to fly home to Russia today after recovering in Germany from his poisoning in August with a nerve agent. Navalny says he will return despite Russian authorities' threats to put him behind bars once again. And a cargo ship has gone down off the Black Sea coast in Turkey today. A Turkish official says at least two people were killed. Six crew members have been saved. This is SRN News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411. 
877-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. Being a truck driver, I don't always eat right. And it kind of balances out my natural body mechanisms and gives me a lot of energy. And I just recently went to the doctor to do a bunch of tests. And what was amazing, just like other people have said uh, in their advertisements, is the first question was, what are you doing? I've never seen such good blood work. You are perfect. And so I told her this balance in nature. And I said, you really need to look it up because it works. So my checkup was excellent. So I'm just thrilled. I am really happy. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code Results. Take AM860 The Answer with you wherever you go with our mobile app, TheAnswerTampa.com, Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and at Radio.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. On the next Hugh Hewitt Show, reaction to President-elect Biden's proposal to spend $1.9 trillion in his first 100 days. Where will it go? How will it help? Should it be passed? All that and more on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. Weekday mornings at 6 on AM 860. The Answer. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. A high rip current risk is in effect throughout this evening. Otherwise, increasing clouds today with a high 63. Mostly cloudy skies for tonight with a low 53. Tomorrow, increasing amounts of sunshine with a high of 65. And Tuesday, mostly sunny with a high of 68. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. I'm your international Dr. Bill. We're on WGUL 860 AM every Sunday. You can catch me on the web. 
can go to drbillradiomd.com, click listen live, or go to the station, theanswer.com, and catch us there. And I've got a special guest with me today, Dr. David Braun, orthopedic surgeon, friend, colleague, known him since he got to town. Nice guy. So at any rate, I was listening to the uh, the news and the lockdown and all of the troops that are piling into Washington, D.C. I think there's over 30,000 now. And, you know, I think our government's reaction to last week's storming of the Capitol building reflects both their desire for control as well as their fear of losing control. And humans need to feel a sense of control, Dave. Over We were talking about that earlier, over their environment and uh, our person and you know, in medical care or in uh, any aspect of life that's important. However, overreaction by people will only hasten and deepen the divide, I think, between liberals and conservatives as this goes on and attempts to deny the sense of self-control uh, from people and to say you can't come to D.C. or you can't do this or you can't do that will precipitate an even stronger reaction. And uh, I think it's integral to human existence and to our health and our emotional welfare and you and I know this as doctors, that people have a feeling of, of control over their environment and their their body and their person. And, and as a surgeon, you know that intimately. I mean, that's something that you deal with all the time. That's so integral. Uh, over the past uh, year, we've seen a lot of loss of, of uh, self-control and a uh, sense of, of autonomy because of the virus and the lockdowns. And I think that some of it uh, has been overboard. I don't know about you. Uh, and I think that putting 30,000 troops in Washington, D.C. is overboard, too. But, uh, you know, what do I know? I'm not uh, I'm not sitting up there. But one thing for sure, whether you agree or disagree, and, of course, I disagree with attacking noncombatants, uh, I think the <laughs> the storming of the, of the Capitol building shows that they're not untouchable. They are yeah. not untouchable. So... The left and the social media are systematically shutting down all aspects of our lives, including dissent, as you know. And uh, taxation will go up again, which is another way of shutting us down. Further restrictions will be placed on our persons and property and on our enterprises. And people say, well, Trump's a fascist. Well, you know what fascism is, Dave. It's a political system where you have one party with a strong man at the top, and there's free enterprise, but it's free enterprise that the state allows and the state puts a lot of restrictions on what they will allow and won't allow. Does it sound like anything you know? California? I mean, come on. So the basic freedoms we have and have so enjoyed are increasingly threatened. Our right to life, liberty, freedom of movement, freedom of expression, and safety in our person and our property will continually be eroded if we allow this to continue to go on, what, they're, what the left is doing. And I appeal to those in power on the left to stop and think, about the repercussions, because you know what? If you want to make sure there's a civil war, just keep clamping down, because you know, people are going to react. It's just human nature. And, you know, a civil war would be disastrous. And, you know, even though the North won the Civil War, Dave, you know how many Northerners died for every Southerner? How many? Three Northern kids died for every Southern kid. Wow. So they paid a dear price to... Uh, uh, obtained victory, and the cause may have been just, but it certainly was costly. And then you have to think about the generation that fought that war and the the uh, awful things that happened, the loss of life and limbs and the chronic pain syndromes. And that's when the whole thing with morphine and intravenous is started. Did you know that? I did not. That's And the, the IV was, needle was started then 
post-war to help the, uh, the soldiers who had lost limbs and had phantom pain. So that, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's not, it, it's nothing to sniff at. So we want to really impress on our left colleagues that they need to be careful and not push too hard. Anyway, let's get back to medicine. I'm off of politics for the moment. <laughs> Was that too much, Brian? Was that overboard? Okay, all right. If, if you get any death threats, let me know. Okay, so Dr. Dave had the virus, and I tried to get him to take the monoclonal antibody. There's uh, the Regeneron, like the president had, and then there's the, we call it the Bam-Bam, the Manalibamab, which is, I think, Eli Lilly's drug. So now the federal government, as well as doctors who are intimately involved with taking care of COVID patients, like myself, are saying that we're way underutilizing this. And I tried to get Dr. Dave to take it, and he said, ah, I'm getting better, I don't need it. Of course, now he's growing a third arm, and we don't know what to do about that. I think we're gonna have to have one of his partners cut it off. But I, I think that it's really important that, that everybody knows about the monoclonal antibodies. The monoclonal antibodies are, are uh, extracted, I guess it would be the best word, from pooled uh, plasma of people who have had the virus and are immune or people who have been vaccinated and have made antibodies. We're also using some animal uh, models too that we we can uh, we can inject or we can manipulate the genetics of a mouse or a monkey and, and have them make the antibody and use that too. And then you purify this down to uh, almost a, a single antibody and you put it in a preservative. It's a four hour infusion. It's miraculous. I've had several patients that I had do this, and they were better the next day and, uh, <clears throat> and have done well since. And people say, well, I'm getting over it. Let me tell you that this is a, a virus that can relapse. So I've seen people who were getting better, and a week later, they were miserable and sick again. And I think your wife had a headache. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's a symptom of the virus, and uh, that means that you haven't cleared it out all the way, and this helps clear it out faster. So I really encourage people and doctors who are listening and who have not been as intimately involved in the, in the epidemic as I have to refer your patients for the uh, monoclonal antibody if they're not sick enough to be in the hospital, but they have symptoms. If we'd like to get you within the first week of symptomatology. So... Uh, think about that, and, and, and let's let's be a little bit more proactive because we had a 25-year-old kid die at the hospital. No. And, you know, the, the young kids, they, you know, the young people, they think they're invincible. They don't need to wear a mask, and if they're sick, they don't need to come in because they're not that sick. Right. If you're sick, you need to get in immediately and let us treat you. By the way, the, uh, the antibody is free. The monoclonal antibody is free. You do have to pay for the time you spend in the hospital as an outpatient, right. but uh, you can negotiate a fee with the hospital for that. And it's pretty simple. You go in, you get get swabbed, and get a little physical exam, and then they hook you up for an IV. So it's all done as an outpatient, right? Outpatient. It's all outpatient. Four hours, and you're better. All right. We're back now with Dr. Dave Braun, world-famous orthopedic surgeon, at least world-famous in the Tampa Bay area. And he, well, now that he's with Dr. Bill, he is world-famous because... We're heard all over the world. I know you don't believe that, but it's true. I believe it. Now, back to my wrist. So what do I do? How do you diagnose my carpal tunnel? And when are you going to fix me? And I want it cheap, baby. I want right. it cheap. So 
primarily with carpal tunnel, you tend to get numbness and tingling sensations in these three digits. It can involve the entire hand, but typically it involves the thumb, index, and middle finger. <clears throat> the transverse carpal ligament runs right in here. Uh, the way that we test for it is we'll do what's called a Tennell's test, oh. where we tap on the nerve there, and if it sends the radiating symptoms down into your fingers, then Which it did. you have carpal tunnel. Okay. Um, typically, we will get uh, nerve conduction studies or uh, uh, EMGs. How do you do that? Uh, that's something that a neurologist does. We send out to a local neurology group, and they will put these little electrodes uh, down your arm, and then they will test the signal conduction between those two electrodes. And if there's decreased conduction, then it indicates that there's some compression neuropathy going on. So, Does that hurt the uh, nerve conduction study? It, it doesn't hurt, but it's not pleasant. Because it's a, a mild electrical shock? Correct. But, I mean, it's it's pretty minor. Right. And what's that test take, 10, 15 minutes? I think so. So that's pretty easy to do. But isn't this really still a diagnosis of of, a, uh, of examination? It and, is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, would you, so like with the Tunnels test, and the Tunnels test was when he tapped on my nerve here and it shot through my fingers. Now, would if I came to you and I said, would you do surgery? Would you still make me go get an EMG, a nerve conduction study? I, I typically do. Uh, I mean, if you came into the office, we would examine your neck because all of the nerves in your hand exit out of the cervical spine. And you can get compression at the cervical spine uh, in what we call a double crush type scenario, where if you have minimal compression at your neck and minimal compression of your carpal tunnel, it can be amplified and, and you can have severe carpal tunnel syndrome as a result. And if both aren't uh, addressed, addressed, then yeah. you won't get any better. So, well, then that for me, that would mean that I would have to have it because, you know, as you know, I had a broken neck and a fusion and I've, I've had a uh, I've had the bone drilled out at C5, 6 and 6, 7 on the right. And I have chronic neuropathy and radiculopathy. Radiculopathy is the nerve root itself where it comes out of the neck and it's inflamed guys. And uh, compressed and neuropathy is when you get away from the from the spine then you call it a neuropathy where the nerve is inflamed but not necessarily back where it comes out of the spine so I have radiculopathy neuropathy and um, a little stretch too because my shoulders dropped a little bit so I would need that I would guess so you could yeah, see how I'm, you could determine how much is what absolutely they can tell you know if there's compression coming from the nerve roots or if the compression is isolated to the carpal tunnel Okay, so, oh, God, so now that's more expense. Yep. I haven't met my deductible. Can you take me on? Sure. Okay, good. Can I make payments? Sure. Oh, good. Do you accept ice cream? Uh, <laughs> for you, I'll make the exception. <laughs> oh, by the way, there was a ice cream factory in China, and they found three uh, gallon containers of ice cream that had the COVID virus, so they had to recall 5,000... Uh, containers of, of the ice cream. Apparently, one of the workers had COVID. Now, I don't know how the hell, what, what did he do, sneeze in it or what? I mean, you know, but uh, it's fascinating to see. Now, I don't think that you can get COVID uh, from eating ice cream. I, I don't know that there's any studies that show that it's transmissible by ingestion. Uh, but still, I, th I found that kind of interesting. That it is interesting. And they, you know, the, the plant apparently is is good otherwise. But uh, so, listen, if you're going to China, watch out for the ice cream. Be careful because it might get you.
So you try conservative therapy first for carpal tunnel before you do surgery, or does it depend upon the symptomatology? It depends upon the symptomatology and how far along. So one of the other things that we look at during the exam is, is wasting of the thenar musculature. So if you have significant loss of the muscle mass in this region right here, that can indicate that there's chronic long-term compression of the nerve. Um, so that is a, a telltale sign that you know, the carpal tunnel release needs to be performed. Well, after my neck injury, I actually did have, uh, this was my, I'm right hand dominant and my muscle here was a little bit smaller than my left hand muscle, but then I had an injury above the fusion and now I've got some problems with my left arm too, which is not uncommon after you have a neck fusion okay. to have a ruptured disc above the fusion because there's more stress on that. Right. But uh, it actually looks like looking at your palm that you got some Dupuytren's disease. Okay, Dupuytren's. Uh, I'll let everybody see that. Can you see that, folks? The little, uh, see those little like ropey-looking things in my hands. Those are called Dupuytren's contractures. What can we do for those, Doctor Dave? So typically, the uh, treatment for that was surgical, uh, but probably about. 10, 15 years ago, they started developing these collagenase injections. Uh, so it's an office procedure where we inject those cords with this collagenase that breaks down the, the collagen and eliminates it. So uh, typically these do not need surgery anymore. Well, what time you open Monday? 8.30. All right, I'll be there. Great. I'm coming in. Uh, is it going to hurt? You're going to hurt me, Dr. Yeah, Dave. I mean, it, it's going to be multiple needle sticks, oh. but... Uh, Oh my God. You'll survive. Okay. All right. Um, well, if you say I'll survive, then I believe that I will survive. And we will uh, certainly look forward to seeing you. I'll come in and get that done uh, one day this this week or next week. I, I don't know. I'm very busy this time of year, as you know, so it might sure. not be till springtime. But we're getting close to the end of the show. Brian, what do we got? About three minutes left? Two minutes? Two and a half minutes. Dr. Dave, I want to, again, thank you for coming and uh, give you a shout-out. And you, He's got two locations in Pinellas County, Mid-County, and North County. Correct. And uh, so he's at 727-209-6677, 727-209-6677. Dr. Dave Braun, you can get a consult for how much? Self-pay? Self-pay, $100 for 10 minutes. $100, and he'll tell you everything you need to know about your bones and joints diagnose you and uh, if you want treatment then you can work out a self-pay rate if you don't have money or uh, if you've got insurance you can talk with Dr. Dave about the uh, ramifications of using your insurance in this situation. Yeah we do accept uh, most major medical uh, insurances. We also see workers compensation uh, patients as well as uh, personal injury and auto accident patients. And that's a, a relatively new thing that we've uh, started doing uh, before we used to send out all of our auto accidents, but uh, we now do all Take that Take care of it yourself, yeah. yeah. Again, they're at 727-209-6677, 727-209-6677. And Dr. Dave is a board-certified board orthopedist and sports medicine specialist. Oh, boy, he's a big hitter, folks. Of course, he's, he's making big money. And poor old Dr. Bill's down here struggling all alone. Very little cash, paying for his own radio show. Oh, my God. Let's feel sorry for Dr. Bill. 
But you can come see me. I am at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Of course, we got telemedicine, practices open for new patients. And we've also got the antifungal nail gel study going on. If you want to join that, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. And by the way, the nail gel is free. The study is free. You get a, a Dr. Bill mug, and it's three visits to the office, and you're done, and your toenails look beautiful at the end. Now, I'll give you all the, all the nail gel you want for the rest of your life. Brian, you did a stand-up job this morning, bud. All right, get some music going. We're out of here. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD.